this time of the year is a real exciting time for me. That's why I brought a football up. I love football. I love everything about it. It's not just the, the, uh, the hitting and the actual opportunity to become or use my masculinity to scream and yell at the TV, but uh, especially because now my team is in the Super Bowl. But the idea, and it's not the New England Patriots. I cannot stand the New England Patriots. I don't mind that. I've shared the audio of that. I really don't care about the New England Patriots. I can understand why some people hate the Yankees because the Yankees always win. But, um, but what happens is it gives us a chance. And during this, this time of the year too, in every year, what is often showcased is the playmaker they call in football. Uh, as you can imagine, you look back, and I'm old enough now to look back. My son asked me a lot of questions about uh, football and about Super Bowls, and we have the NF- NFL Network channel, so we're able to look back at all these different Super Bowls. And my son's asking me a lot of questions. I don't recall of the first maybe five or six But when I was able to at least recollect some of it by six, seven years old, I began to understand or see or some of those old Super Bowls were familiar. So uh, one of those things that they they often say and, you know, the that voice that comes on those videos. And I remember last year when we had um, both my friend Cedric and and even Bruce Harper, he showed some of those old films. Well, that's the voice I remember of the old films talking about different games. And uh, so this time of the year is really cool because they say Super Bowl where legends are born and playmakers become legendary. And so a playmaker is a player who controls the flow of a team's offensive play and is often involved in passing moves which leads to goals through vision, technique, ball control, creativity, and, the, and passing ability. So it's not just this ball that we look at that's a fun game that we play as young children and we aspire becoming a football star on TV, but there's actual strategy to games. There's the advancing of a ball because what we call is moving the chains or getting the yards to get into the end zone. How many of you are even interested in football? Raise your hand. Just help me out. Okay, I've got some people attentive this morning. So the others are like, hate football. So what I wanted to do this morning was kind of share a few cool little spots from last year's Super Bowl game, which we had some fun last year watching it here in, here in this room, and just kind of talk about one particular playmaker from last year that they didn't expect. I'll, I'll share a little bit, but if, if, as we're getting that up, one of those playmakers uh, was Nick Foles from the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't like the Eagles. Um, that's why last year I lost a, a funny little bet with Eric Mandrabo. My wife loves the Eagles. I have to put up with it. My son hates the Eagles. Um, I mean, really hates them. He gets really frustrated. So the idea is that, are we getting that video up? Is that okay? Okay, if you can kind of expand that out so they can see it a little bit more, could we do that? Um, And if we can expand that and then you could put it on while I'm talking, go ahead. Okay, nice and loud too, if you can get that volume going. Do we got to play? No, we don't have to play. It has to be at member. If you can try to work on that. 
Get back to 127. If you can move it back to, sorry guys for the technical difficulty. Move it back to, oh, there it goes. All right, let's, let's go back just a second again. One twenty-seven. One minute, 27 seconds. You got to go back. Yeah, he could. 327, sorry. Okay, so with this particular play, it took a lot of planning, strategy. It took, it, took a, it took a head coach to realize how could we get Nick Foles in that particular play. There was momentum that was going on. It was 38 seconds before the half. The, the, or the uh, Patriots had just scored and the Eagles were trying to figure out how do we get a score before the half. That's important for momentum to go into the third quarter. It's important for the psyche and the mentality of it. So what they do is they create a play that is, you see that Foles is over the center, but if he's over the center, he can't be an eligible receiver. So being over the center, he's scooting over as he's calling for the hike and no one's seeing that. And as the height comes up, there's one of the running backs that takes the ball and he scoots into the end zone wide open. There's a strategy to that. But not only that, what has happened in the background was that the Eagles were 11 and 2 with three games left. They wouldn't expect Nick Foles would take him. When they found out that Carl, Carl wasn't available anymore, the, head, the, the, the quarterback, what happened was when, when, he, when he wasn't available once, now they had to bring in Nick Foles. And Nick Foles in recent past wasn't one who showed himself to be a player that could take them to that level. Not only did he finish out the regular season, what was so spectacular was through the postseason, he was able to take a team that was great. The general was able to take them to the Super Bowl. And not only that, but beat the mighty Patriots. I mean, they were laughing at this game saying, this is going to be a killer. Patriots are going to be in like 50 to 10. And here they shocked him because Foles was a part of an incredible scheme and he became a playmaker because the Super Bowl allowed him to become a playmaker. And not only because he loves God and he has a strong faith for Christ, but that he had a platform where he was able to show off case some of his abilities. Now watch, we have, can you get that other, other video for me too? Because the New England Patriots tried to to stamp on the momentum of the Eagles by doing something similar. But unfortunately, um, it didn't work out. Are you able to get it? Because if, if not, don't worry about it. Okay, you got it? Okay. Because they were able to stamp, it, stamp on them with momentum. You got to understand in the game of football, you got to have momentum in order to win the game. It's not just one person. A playmaker is not just one. You have a team. The quarterback is the general, but without his offensive line, he can't do anything. Because when he drops the pass and he's looking, he has to have someone protect him before he gets sacked by a 300-pound man who's ready to hurt him bad. Also, you have to understand, too, that with a running back, he needs his offensive line. A wide receiver needs his offensive line. Without everybody playing their part, a team can't win.
Even a tight end who occasionally gets a ball and receiving, he has to block well. Also, with reference to a back, a halfback or a fullback, they have to block well. Because if a blitz comes in, they have to cover the blitz for the, for the, for the quarterback to throw it. And so that's important. So just look and see what he tries to do now. Oh, and he misses it. He had a chance. They try to stamp on, that's good guys. They try to stamp on the Eagles. And they try to say, you know what? You can do it. We can too. And I think that killed the psyche of the, of, the, of the Patriots. Now, you're wondering, now, Bruno, what are you trying to share out here about playmakers? We're going to come into a story in the book of Joshua. But do you guys recall Joe Namath? I'm sure you do. If you remember all those commercials, um, I mean, he, be, he became like, you know, the image of Hollywood. They called him Hollywood Joe. But, you know, Joe Namath wasn't a very good player. If you look at his stats, he wasn't Hall of Fame material. But you know what made him legendary? Was a Super Bowl. He was an underdog. They did not expect the Jets to win. And when the Jets won, he's still on TV. That man still gets on with his long coats, 70-something years old, and people are still laughing. But you know what was legendary for him is that he actually became an actor on Brady Bunch. I mean, they actually used him to, to try to motivate and, and build that particular show. And see, that's what happens a lot with, with these playmakers. And there's an unlikely playmaker in the book of Joshua. Some of you would even question, but there's a woman by the name of Rahab. And if we look at the story in the background and what I shared with you guys a few weeks ago is that God gave the land over to the Israelites. He's already told them that in chapter one. He says, you have my promises, you have my presence, and you have my power. You can go now. I will be with you. I've claimed this land. All you have to do is go and listen and trust me. But in order for them to get into the land, they had to spy in the land in a particular city named Jericho. It was a unique, unique city and it was an important city for them to overtake. Now, as you look at chapter two, verse one, what I say about the unlikely playmaker is because I know, and maybe you would know that if it came down to this person, I don't think we would choose her to be the playmaker on God's team. But watch me here as we, as we uh, just read. Let's, let's look at the scriptures for just a second. Verse one, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So a general sends out spies. It's a military strategic plan to be able to make sure that before God has already promised them to take over the land, that they had to survey the land and survey the city. And so here are the two spies that are coming. And then in verse two, it says, and they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Now, most would believe that scholars would believe that it was like an inn, but she was known as a prostitute. And just like today, we would know what a prostitute lives for. And most would see that in the scriptures that the Bible doesn't talk much about her life outside of chapter two in Joshua, once mentioned in Hebrews that we'll talk about later and also in the book of James. But I, I could imagine today we're, 
me in a military strategy and I was one of those spies. And I was over there in Jericho and I had my phone on me and my text message and I had to tell my wife, honey, I'm going over there, I'm spying and I'm the team, I'm two, two, one of the two spies is gonna go and spy out Jericho. And um, I can't imagine texting my wife and say, hey honey, we're safe, everything's fine, we got here, long travel, real difficult, but we got here, um, we're, we're, we're safe. Where are you at? Uh, we're at an inn right now, hanging out. Okay, and what's the name of that inn? Jericho Inn. Okay. Um, do I hear someone in the background? Yeah, it's a young lady there. She's taking care of us. Oh, what's her name? Rahab. Oh, she worked there? Uh, yeah, kind of. She works here. Uh, what does she do? Um, she's a prostitute. Can you imagine? If I had to text my wife, honey, take care. Give a kiss to the kids. Tell them I miss them. See ya. Can you imagine if I left my wife? Why would God choose a prostitute to be the unlikely playmaker to allow spies to come into Jericho to spy out the land? Because here's what's happening now. You have to understand this woman is from Jericho in the land of Canaan and it has to have some kind of allegiance to her city to her country, to her people, and now to her king. Look at at verse two, it goes on, it says this. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, the men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Verse three, then the king of Jericho said to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. Most would say, why? Why would they go? Why would God set this up? And she already has a command from the king saying, you know what? You need to hand these two men in. They're spying from Israel and they want to overtake our land and we don't want to allow them to do it. Therefore, he brought these men. How often does that happen? But here's the thing. As I mentioned would she be a considerable candidate for any one of us to say, I want to use this woman to advance the cause for the kingdom of God to overtake this land? I wouldn't. Honestly, I wouldn't do that. And now also, why would God do this? But there was something that was happening because in verse four, this is what happened. It says, but, and that word but is key because too often whenever we see in the scriptures but God or but it's a it's a contrast it's a change of thinking here because now it says but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them now before we go into the into the narrative a little bit longer we have to understand this her act that she did there by hiding those men was an act of faith some would say wait a minute but she's a prostitute but she acted in faith she could, have, she could have exposed these spies. She could have had the king's men come in. She could have deceived the two spies thinking she was going to hide them and then expose them. She could have had an allegiance there, but she didn't. She trusted God at that moment. Someone say, but wait a minute. She's a harlot. I understand. But she trusted God. And so as this was an act of faith and trusting God as an unlikely playmaker, What makes playmakers stand out in God's team? How can each of us become playmakers for the Lord? What is required for a playmaker? Well, I'm going to share a few things I think that was highlighting in Rahab that could be 
what each one of us could even find out what a playmaker is on the team for the Lord. One is that Rahab was focused on her, on her faith in God, not on her past failures. Let me share some of that why. See, as we can imagine, she's a prostitute. She could have sat before the Lord. We know something was going on here. Even though the scriptures doesn't specifically say it, say it God met her. God met her at a place where she trusted in him. Prior to the men coming, scholars believe that, that she had already trusted in the Lord. But you have to understand something. When a prostitute lives the way they do, they live in shame and guilt and resentment. They make bad choices. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. Remember that song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. There were, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. She could have turn to her shame and say, I'm not worthy, Lord. Women despise me and men only look for me for one thing. Lord, I'm useless. I'm worthless. There's nothing good in me. But it doesn't say that. The scriptures doesn't say that. She doesn't lay out. We would say that in the background for her trust in the Lord that she had that moment with God. But she didn't focus on her bad choices. She didn't focus on her past failures. She didn't focus on those things which could have brought her down. She trusted God. She focused on the Lord. Look what Proverbs 5, 3 through 6 says. Because it talks about a a prostitute. I mean, Solomon talks about a prostitute and how a young man should avoid a woman who is a prostitute. It says this, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. For her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's bitter as wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. See, Rahab didn't allow the threats of her king, these two men coming at her home at the inn, threaten her from giving in and exposing these two men. She was willing to focus on her faith in God and trust that God had something planned out here. She protected these men. Now, we have to understand too that as an unbeliever, when I was, when I was, when I came to Christ, before I came to Christ, I made a lot of bad choices. I sinned a lot, but I had no conscience. When I sinned, I didn't think about it. When I sinned, it just, it, it, I didn't feel guilt or shame. I didn't feel resentment. It was natural for me to sin. If I hurt someone, I didn't care. If I did bad things, who cares? But when I came to Christ, all of a sudden I recall those days when the Lord began to expose my sin. All of a sudden it was a shock. Now shame and guilt and resentment and bad choices became exposed to me. I didn't even realize I was making bad choices. I recall when we were playing football with a pastor and his son and, um, and we were sitting there playing and I accidentally cursed. I just come to Christ, you know, I just accidentally cursed. And then he said, he says, hey, you know, Bruno, we, we don't use those words. And then I used another curse word to say, oh man, I'm sorry. And he looked at me and I, I used two curse words in front of him because at, the, at that time I didn't even know, I wasn't even thinking. There was no guilty shame or, or guilt or conscience. It just came naturally flowing out of my mouth. 
For six to nine months, I was struggling because God began to expose my sin to me and I didn't understand what that meant. And thankfully, I had men of God at the church I was attending and a pastor who was mentoring me and caring for me at 20 years old. He was starting to show me and I began to read the word of God and I became convicted and realizing, wow, this is really sin? Wow, I didn't even know that. Everybody's doing it. But when I came to Christ and I confessed my sin and I repented, the Lord started to show me not to focus on my past failures, but to focus on him and my faith, that he loved me, that he cared for me, that he sent his son for me, that he covered me with his grace. It was something new to understand and learn, but I'm, 20, I'm 30 years down the road and I'm still trying to learn that. I'm still in my walk with God I'm still trying to learn it in different ways. See, we have to understand is that Rahab was a very new believer at the time. So most would say, wait a minute, but Bruno, she lied. She, she lied right here in this passage. It's very clear because in verse five and verses six, it's clear that she hid the men and then lied to the two men that wanted to take the two men away, the two Israelites. She clearly lied. We know that. But you know what? Um, I would never condone lying. I know that as a parent. I tell my children all the time, listen, tell the truth. Half, half, if you tell me the truth, half of your discipline will be wiped away because you told me the truth. But if you lie, I'm adding an extra half. So that's one and a half. So whatever it was, I'm adding an extra half. And they just look at me all the time. Just tell me the truth. Why? Because we know what the scripture says about lying. And we know that the Bible says, it even says in Proverbs 12, 22, it says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. That's kind of Rahab. I am not condoning lying. It's wrong. I mean, John 8, 44 says, Satan is the father of all lies. We always try to encourage. And we know Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and all of their, they were lying, they were deceitful, and they acted with great morality. But yet, they were also men of faith. And so Rahab, being a new believer, she focused on her faith. That was one. So a playmaker focuses and concentrates on God, just like a player. I just want to use the analogy of football today. When a player has a play, okay, first of all, the first play is the center hiking the ball. And the second play is the quarterback grabbing the ball and not fumbling. Because if, the, if he grabs and fumbles it, there's a 300-pound guy who gets through the other 300-pound guy and picks up the ball. And, and if he lands on it and you try to land on it, you're like, go ahead, land on it. I'm not getting on the bottom of that. I'm not going to have you land and you know, break my ribs or anything like that. Because when that ball becomes live, people go, those players go crazy. But the play, you have to concentrate, grab the ball. The passer, either, either the quarterback has to hand it off to the running back or he has to pass it. And he has a play. And if he doesn't focus on that one play, there's a chance of an interception, a fumble, and a chance that the game is lost. Once momentum is, is moving on a team, you know when you see the game, you've seen enough of games, guys who love football, men and women, the game, the momentum goes for the team that starts to get one or two or three or four touchdowns in one quarter. So that's important that you focus. Two, a playmaker needs to be fearless. I'm not saying that a playmaker should never fear, 
Not saying that a playmaker may never be scared because I can assure you that when a quarterback is sitting there and he's got a 300 pound guy that's looking at him and taunting him with words, saying, I'm coming to get you. I know that quarterback is scared because the quarterback's not even 200 pounds. He's a little bit muscly, but he's not 200 pounds. And if he gets hit by one of those guys, possible career ending injury. What's happened to many quarterbacks. But what I'm talking about is that she was fearless, Rahab. She was fearless because she wasn't afraid to lose her life. The fact that she denied the king and denied those two men and hid these other two men from Israel was a fearless act. See, a fearless person is one who's a risk taker, willing to put his or her own life on the line for the sake of the cause of others. They're willing to count the cost and decide to choose the road less traveled. They are willing to face difficult challenges and also know that something good could come from it. She knew that if she protected these men, something good was going to come from it. Even though she lied, clearly lied and sinned. And so she's willing to do that. But I can assure you of this. When our fears take over our faith, we want the easier way out. We don't want to deal with our problems and our conflict and our difficulty. Or we don't want to deal with difficult people. We just want a problem-free life with no distractions and no disturbances. In fact, I get into another mode. See, some of us in football, we'd rather sit on the sideline and watch everyone else run the place. We don't want to take a chance. But here, here's what I do. I get in this mode. When I know there's some pressured situation, difficult challenges or trials in my life, I try to figure out God's next move. I get so consumed at it, wondering what is he going to do next? And then when he, I don't see what he's doing next, I try to come up with a solution. I try to work out my own plan. I try to say, you know what? I think I can figure this out, God. You can't figure it out. Let me figure it out for you. Since you gave me your son and I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me, let me help you out a little bit. But God's like, no, what I need you to do. Have you ever felt that way? Come on, can you guys relate? I, I know you can because each one of us try to figure out. But what I like, I hate to admit, I love doing that. Why? Because it's strategical. I love strategy. So if God doesn't come through the way I want to, I start to think through things. But sometimes what happens is when I start to do that, I lose focus. And then I become fearful. And I'm not acting as a fearless warrior for God. I get too caught up in the details. Just like Rahab, she could have got caught up in the details. She could have got caught up in her past failures. She could have lost focus. She could have lost her, her fearless mentality. And she could have been feared and gave in and said, you know, I'm going to expose these men. But instead, she didn't. She wasn't caught up in a strategy. Something like the player, too, the football player. It's not the foot play, football player's job to figure out strategy. You know who it is? It's the head coach. It's the offensive coordinator. It's the defensive coordinator. It's their job to figure out strategy. It's the job of the player to go out there and execute the play that was given to them. It's not their job to question the playmaker. It's not their job to find out the playbook isn't working. Can I come up with a new play? Can you imagine if a quarterback saying, hey, coach, I don't like your plays. Let me come up with a new one. Hey, Jimmy, down and out, right, left, R32, sweet, red. I mean, come on, really? I mean, you're going to try to figure out the strategy? Or are you going to trust that the playmaker or the playbook and the play caller is going to give the playmaker the chance? Now, when the quarterback gets up to the line, he can call an audible. But when he calls an audible, he calls an audible according to the playbook. 
and he calls an audible so that the other players know the play. <laughs> because if you call an audible and the players don't know the play, you're going to see guys running in circles. Kind of like when I, used to pl- when I used to play that game, the, you know, with the electronical game with the little players when we were kids and we turned it on and they would just run in circles and do a do-si-do. Do you guys remember that little, the little players? When, when I was a kid, we used to, and then the guys would just be doing this with each other. They wouldn't be going again, you know, they wouldn't get, and my brother saying, see, I won, I won. And we would yell and scream at each other because the players were just running in circles. That's kind of what would happen when a player tries to figure out the strategy and it's not their job to do that. Then they lose focus, they lose their fearless mentality and they can't become a playmaker anymore. A playmaker focuses and is fearless. Just like Rahab, she was doing the same thing. Because you know why? A playmaker fears God and not man. A playmaker fears and reveres the Lord. That playmaker knows cursed is the man that trusts in man. No one can define who you are. God defines who you are. I've been able to make it through a lot of times of 30 years of of ministry because every time someone tries to define me with the statement, I turn around saying, I'm sorry, God defines me this way. And that's where we find our hope and our trust in the Lord. Because it is God that we need to fear. Even Jesus said it in Matthew. The same thing. Fear the man. Fear God or the one who created you. And it could also remove you. And so it's important that a playmaker has that fear. Not, a fearless one is not one who cannot fear, but one who fears God. Third, A a playmaker requires to place his or her faith in God and his plan. You know, here in in, uh, chapter two, verse eight, look with me if we can just for a moment. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, to the two men from Israelites, I know that the Lord has given you the land. That's faith. In fact, in the Hebrew, it's a word that we use that is for certitude, for absolute trust in God. Here's a woman, a prostitute who's trusted in God. And it says, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Now watch this, verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were behind the Jordan, whom you devoted to destruction. To destruction. Verse 11. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melt melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you they were representing the lord they feared the lord for the lord your god he is god in the heavens and above and on the earth beneath this is what a prostitute said who trusted in god she called out elohim yahweh i believe the creator god i believe in your god you have to understand in this culture there were multitudes of gods that they believed Yet this woman did not go towards the allegiance of her country, to the allegiance of her king, to the allegiance of her city, nor to the allegiance of the multitudes of gods. She trusted in the one and only true God, the God of Israel, Elohim Yahweh, Adonai. And when she trusted in him, God used her as an unlikely playmaker to play out 
this particular game of getting the spies to come in because God already said, you will overtake the land. And all he asked her to do was to trust. See, it's not, our, it's not the sin of an unbeliever that keeps them from God. It's the unbeliever who doesn't trust in God that keeps them from God. And when we don't trust in God, the Bible says it's a sin. And as a believer, we, we have come to faith in Christ and we enjoy fellowship with God when we trust God. But thank the Lord for his mercy and his grace that when we sin, not if, but when we sin, God, we confess our sin, he is faithful and just will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now we can continue to be that playmaker for the Lord. And so Rahab is this woman of great focus, fearless mentality, and a woman of faith. Here's where she was a woman of faith in all her whole being. Let's just look at this for a second. She go, in verse uh, Joshua 2, 9, she says, I know the Lord is handling the, handing the land over to you. That's her mind. She goes, we're absolutely terrified of you and all live in this land or we're cringing before you. That's her emotion. She's afraid for a moment, especially before these two spies. And lastly, she was afraid of her family too. And, and her will, even with her faith, she was still pleading for her family's salvation. So in her faith, it was her whole being. It was her mind, her emotion, and her will. It was all encompassed. That's what it took for her to do that. And see, that's, that's what it will take for all of us. It's not our abilities. It's not our intellect. It's not our talents. It's not how much we've accomplished in our past. It's our willingness to place our faith in God in every situation. Each day brings forth new challenges. Amen. Amen. When you wake up in the morning, you don't realize at the end of the day what you were going to have to be challenged with. And we are called to face each challenge with our faith in the Lord. Whatever we engage in is similar to a play in football. Each play has its purpose. And the key to football is advancing this ball, moving the chains. But if we lose our focus and we lose our fearless mentality and we don't trust in the playbook nor in the play caller, then we're going to miss out on winning the game. Each one has to play their position and each one has to succeed at their specific position in order for a game to win. Let me give you an example. Just this past weekend, I'm proud to say, Carrie and I could proud to say as two Rams fans, that even though there was a particular call at the end of the game that was missed, there was a lot of calls that were missed by the refs. On um, Facebook, I was hit hard. Even my own brother-in-law said, hey, Bruno, the refs had a great game making sure the Rams won. I mean, I got it. And then I have my, an old childhood friend who lives in California who's a Rams fan. We were like the only two Rams fans in our whole city. And, um, and he lives in California and he's back and forth and I'm joining in on the Facebook discussion. I'm talking to guys I never met before. But here's the thing. When that play happened, to some of you that you have to understand, there was like less than two minutes of the game left. Drew Brees drops the pass, throws the ball. When you're looking at the angle on TV, you think it's a, they call it a bang-bang play, which means a defender has to look back at the ball for it not to be pass interference, but instead the guy on the Rams just went at him like a bowling ram, ready to take him out by the time he caught the ball. But in one angle, it looked like bang-bang. He hit the ball and went away. But when you saw the replay, it was like, wow, how did he get away with that? That was clearly pass interference. And if there was a pass interference call at that time, they would have ran out the clock and won the game. 
So with a minute 40, the Rams came on the, on the field. They was kicked to them. They got the field goals 23 to 20. The Rams came on the field and they were able to get the offense down enough to where they were in field gold area. And, and so what happened was, what happened? A 48-yard field goal is not a gimme. But for the, for the Rams kicker, he was able to do it. Then it goes into overtime. And Drew Brees had an opportunity again. And he failed, unfortunately. And it didn't work out. And miraculously, I will say, the Rams won because a 57-yard field goal. I was yelling and screaming, don't do it. Punt the ball. Don't do it. He's going to miss it. Now the Saints are really going to win. And here, Sean McVay took a chance and they won the game. And I said, well, that's why I'm not the coach. Because the whole idea was that right there, they lost the game. But here's what happened. When they were marching down at a minute and 40, the Rams were trying to get at least a field goal to tie the game. Sean Payton, the coach, was still running up and down the sideline arguing about that play. He, was, he lost focus of the game. So did the players. The players lost focus of the game because they kept saying to themselves, we should have won the game already. We should have won. If it wasn't for that bad call, we should have won the game. They lost focus. They lost their fearless mentality. And they lost their faith in their coach because the coach is running up and down trying to talk to the ref back and forth saying, it was a bad call. It was a bad call. Dude, man, it's over. The game, that play is the past. Stop focusing on the past. Focus on today, right at this moment. You have an opportunity to win this game still. You had two opportunities, but because you kept focusing on the past, you didn't win the game. Rahab didn't focus on her past. She won the game. We know in Joshua 6, 17, after Jericho was destroyed, her family and herself were saved. She focused on the game. She focused on what God was doing. She didn't think about her past anymore. Sean Payton lost that game because he thought too much of that past call. I can assure you of that. What was so unique about this play caller or this playmaker is I would have never chosen her. We can honestly say none of us would. If I had chosen a prostitute to help, I think my wife would have something to say about that. But you know what? God chose her because of his grace. God chose a woman who in our society, in any society, is demised, is the lowest of low. But God chose her for a purpose. Listen to what the Bible says about her. Hebrews 11.31, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Faith. Grace. James 2.25, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out by another way. And then we find in Matthew 1.5 that she was part of the genealogy of Jesus. The greatest statement of grace from God. To choose the lowest of lows because of his amazing grace. And she was not willing to allow her past to ruin the chance of being used of God as a great playmaker. Guys, I just want to share this with you. Each one of us had the opportunity to be a great playmaker for God. We don't need to play the Super Bowl to have a platform. We have Jesus. He's our platform. We have the opportunity to be a playmaker by reaching those who are far away like a Rahab, like a Bruno from past, to reach those around us in their communities for the kingdom of God. 
you have a chance to be a playmaker. All you have to do is get the play, submit to the play caller, the one who created the playbook, surrender to the one who he appoints as a head coach, move forward, don't hold on to your past, move forward for the kingdom of God and allow him to take you to that next step. Knowing that by faith and by grace and by his mercy, you and I have the opportunity to do that. If it were not for his grace and his mercy, we couldn't even play in the game. Isn't that awesome? God allows us to play in the game because of that. We can go focused with a fearless mentality with faith moving forward. Forward. That's what God calls each one of us. It's not just this church, but it's in your lives. It's in everything you do. I want to encourage you because if we don't catch that now, we never will. God has a plan. It's a perfect plan. I know I can tell you this with great confidence and conviction and clear mind. If God, I can never move forward if it wasn't for his grace. I couldn't stand before you. Because if you really knew who I was in the depths of my being, not even my wife would know the depths of my being, I couldn't stand up before you. It's only because of his mercy and his grace. I want to encourage you to hold on to that. As the worship team is coming up, pray on that this week. Pray that you can be, a, you can have that fearless mentality. You could be one who's focused on the Lord. And you can be a woman or man of faith. God used Rahab, he can use any one of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us of what forward means. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not moving forward because of any of my abilities, of any of my past actions, because I failed so often, I couldn't even be in the game. Lord, I should sit on the sideline and watch. You should bench me for half the times that I make this, these mistakes. But Lord, because of your mercy and your grace, you keep saying, go ahead, Bruno, go in. And I'm like, Lord, you want me in again? Yeah, it's okay to make mistakes because I want to conform you to the image of my son. And Lord, I pray each one of us would realize that so we have that focus and that fearless mentality and that faith, that grace, that mercy, that Lord, each one of us, although we might feel unworthy, although we may feel like maybe Rahab should have felt the shame or the guilt, there's something going on in our lives. God, I pray that we would not allow that stop us from being used of you in an awesome way. Pray that you would encourage us to move forward. Help this church to move forward. Help them to believe that you have a plan for your church. Help them to believe they could still be in the game because you put us in the game. Nobody can put us in the game but you. So God, I pray that we would hold on to you. We are playmakers and we can be great playmakers for the kingdom of God by just being used of you. So Lord, whatever it is that's stopping us, help us not focus on our past failures. Help us not to lose the game because of that, but help us to be in the game, being used of you. Lord, we love you and we surrender our lives to you in Jesus' name, amen.